It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Who they think you're gonna beat them bangles? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're preparing for Ravens week, and the Bengals got back to practice today. They're finishing up their bye week. I guess they're getting back from vacation. They still have tomorrow off, so they practiced last Monday. Then they were off for a week. They practiced today. They're off tomorrow. But they got a lot of players back today, so we're going to talk about that and what the Ravens did to the Patriots here to get started. So back for the Bengals in practice today were Carl Lawson, Darquez Denard, John Miller, Andre Smith, and most importantly, A.J. Green participating in practice. He's expecting to play this week as the Bengals prepare to host Baltimore, who just put a pretty severe whooping on the New England Patriots, who were previously unbeaten. Yeah, that was a shocking performance by the Ravens, uh, just because that's a division rival and taking down the best team in the AFC and the Patriots with that defense that's been historically good for Lamar Jackson and that offense to just run it down their throats all game. That was uh, that was shocking, to say the least. And I think the Bengals have a very strong test, not that the Ravens with Jackson over the last two years haven't given them uh, everything they can handle, but uh, coming off that hot win, I think the Ravens are going to try and build off that and keep the ball rolling. If we learned anything from Lamar Jackson being the best athlete on the field against Bill Belichick, it's that no matter what you do to try to contain this guy, to try to slow him down, you are not going to stop Lamar Jackson, especially when you don't have athleticism the way the Bengals don't have athleticism on defense. But that is the one weakness of this Patriots team. They have an elite, elite secondary, like one of a historically great secondary with the McCordys and Stephon Gilmore back there. But their run defense, if there is a weakness you're going to pick at, that's where you would look. And the amount of guys that Lamar Jackson may miss in very small spaces that are very good defenders, like Jamie Collins, who's having a resurgent year for the Patriots, that was very impressive for Jackson yesterday. Yeah, that goes to your point that even though the Patriots can scheme everything up and and have everyone in the right spot, uh, and to take away, because you know, that, that, isn't that the thing with athletic quarterbacks or guys that really aren't special throwing the ball? We say defenses are going to find a way to make them look bad. Uh, well, the Patriots tried, and it's it's easy to do that with lesser athletes. I think when Lamar Jackson, as you said, is the best athlete on the field, he's still going to find a way to make a play. And I think that's the challenge for the Bengals, because they aren't 
going to scheme guys and get them in the, into the correct spot or into the correct place, or at least they didn't last time. They thought they did. They thought they had the right play call. If you remember Lou Anarumo saying, we had a guy for every option, whether that was the give inside, uh, the pitch, or Jackson keeping it himself. And each time it looked like nobody was there and Jackson would often keep it and run into free space. So they can't allow that to happen again if they expect to slow down this Ravens offense at all. Yeah, it's going to be a tough test for a team that's generally struggled with speed this year, struggled horizontally, struggled with the run. Again, we've talked about it. Worst run defense in the NFL, worst run offense in the NFL. A pretty scary pairing. The other thing that the Ravens did that I thought was very interesting and have done really all year so many targets to tight ends. And again, I think the Bengals will be tested in their coverage of tight ends, which hasn't been much of an issue in terms of quantity this year, but they have had issues still with tight ends when they have been targeted. But they do get back Carl Lawson, Denard, Miller, Green, and Smith in practice. All of those fairly noteworthy. All of those represent potential upgrades at positions where backups just haven't been playing great. And Cordy Glenn. I don't know if you mentioned that, but that could be a potential starter on the offensive line. That obviously would help Ryan Finley as he's getting A.J. Green. Also, Ryan Finley, who the last time they matched up with Lamar Jackson, shout out to a avid listener of the podcast who sent us this. Ryan Finley outplayed Jackson and NC State beat Louisville. Also in that game, Jermaine Pratt, pick six. So get him out on the field. Maybe that's the kryptonite for Lamar Jackson. You heard it here first. Jermaine Pratt is Lamar Jackson's kryptonite. Of course, this was a year after Lamar Jackson had like a 50-point win over Ryan Finley and the NC State Wolfpack. So that has gone both ways. And by aggregate and by points or whatever, Lamar Jackson certainly holds the advantage by NFL pedigree, by expectations for this game. Again, Lamar Jackson certainly holds the advantage, but AJ Green does get to play against his favorite opponent as he is expected to come back in week 10. And that is certainly a boon for Ryan Finley, who in the preseason, even when he looked good, he wasn't throwing to Green. And AJ Green is going to make every single quarterback on your team look better. So now you've got two guys on this team with Go Go Gadget Arms and AJ Green and Auden Tate. Although it will be interesting to see what they do with Auden Tate versus Alex Erickson out there. And then, of course, the reliable Tyler Boyd in the slot. Yeah, that's right. And Green has killed the Ravens. I think you can make a highlight reel of Green's career just against the Ravens and how many times he's come up clutch in the fourth quarter and big moments and big games. Uh, but it's all that mostly has come from Andy Dalton, you know, a little bit from McCarron at the end of uh, 2015. But getting a new quarterback, having a new guy out there, he looked excited in the photos from practice today and him and Ryan Finley spending some time together getting down there. I think celebratory handshake after the inevitable touchdown comes. I think it's just going to be really weird. We all have to prepare ourselves. Andy Dalton, not starting. We'll see him on the bench healthy, backing up Ryan Finley this week. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, They're cheaper than the pharmacy. 
Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Big week for Bengals fans. At least I think this is an exciting week, getting A.J. Green back. The injury report already, even though we're not officially into the next week, looks promising. Uh, could just be missing a few guys. And... The second biggest game of the year for the Bengals is this week, and that's LSU-Alabama. So it doesn't even really have anything to do with the Bengals. But as we had discussions today on Twitter, send both scouts there and maybe even Duke Tobin uh, Saturday. I I, I think we'll all be watching. I I wouldn't be surprised if more Bengals fans make it through that game than make it through this game if the Ravens start running away with it in Cincinnati. For those fans that listen to this podcast i think certainly those are the fans that want that content daily that are looking for constant immersion in things that involve the bengals i think certainly they're watching this lsu alabama game with interest oh yeah because there's so many players in this game and imagine if dylan moses is playing too right because then there's a linebacker you can throw into the mix but Talented defensive backs, talented on both sides, right? Safety for LSU, the true freshman mm-hmm. corner for LSU, digs for Alabama, wide receivers. On, yeah, linemen for Alabama, wide receivers on both sides of the ball. And most importantly, you got Burrow against Tua. And right. how do you split hairs there? For me right now, the differentiating, the differentiating factor is really only Tua will be younger He has multiple years, and he has a little bit more athleticism, a little bit more juice, I think, than Joe Burrow. But right now, given what we know at today, November 11th, I would be happy with either. Oh, I would too, as we sit today, because I think there's still a good chunk of the evaluation to go, go, including this game. I mean, if Joe Burrow goes out there and lights him up, as he's done to every 
team he had he's faced this year the two good defenses he's, he's faced he's looked at his best uh, if he does that again against Alabama who routinely and historically makes good prospect or good quarterbacks um, not look their best uh, even last year to Kyler Murray's game I think that's going to solidify him as a top three pick but uh, if he goes out there and struggles I think there's going to be some questions about what he is still outside of that um, LSU system that's working so well right now where they've got a uh, passing game coordinator from the Saints I think Joe Brady or uh, I think that's his name but he's a hot name for potentially be a head coach in the NFL if not college football so you, you kind of wonder if it's the system with him and then everyone talks about the system with Tua at Alabama and you know how he plays outside of it is really the defining factor there but you only get a handful of those plays per game and if he can't run as much or move as much because he's not a big runner but if he can't move as move as much within the pocket or outside his scheme because of the second second ankle surgery he's had in two years now um that could limit how he looks so it'll be an interesting game from both perspectives i think i just can't wait to see how it turns out and and what this is going to mean for for the Bengals. yeah it'll be interesting to see if Tua even plays because i guess there's a sure. chance that he doesn't even play he's Two weeks removed now, October 19th, had the injury, yeah. had the tightrope surgery, same surgery he had last week. Uh, at the time, the quarterback himself said he'd be back for LSU. They had a bye week last week. So he said that he yep. would be back. But as of today, Saban says game time decision, reiterated today being Monday. And it was three weeks before he was able to play versus Oklahoma, and he lit them up last year. It was because he, he got hurt in the SEC championship versus Georgia. Not a great game for him. Uh, came back three weeks later to face Oklahoma and completely had a fantastic performance. So uh, if you're wondering about this tightrope surgery, it's supposed to secure that and, and strengthen that ankle so that uh, he's less likely to sprain it again in the future. So they say you come back kind of a little bit stronger from it, and if that's the case, then maybe it won't affect him as big as we thought. And in case you're wondering, yes, this is the other ankle. He didn't break the tightrope surgery implement on his originally injured ankle. This is the other one now. So both ankles surgically improved, you hope. But there are some questions, I think, in the medical community about the long-term and the waterfall effect for lack of a better term like how it impacts other joints there's sure. some concern about well if you're stiffer in that tibia fibula intersection in the near your ankle does that affect your knee does that send the force elsewhere so there's some questions about that but i am not a doctor and i have right. no opinion as to whether or not it works i just want to see him play against lsu and joe burrow because lsu's got a fun defense too they've got a fun secondary both these teams have pretty fun secondaries and pretty fun wide receivers. So yeah. there's a lot to watch here. They're one and two for a reason. I mean, we're going to get to see this game and see the top two quarterbacks go at it. And right as we have, you know, currently as the Dolphins won, we have front row seats, you know, if you will, uh, for the Bengals to look at this and say, okay, who's our guy? And speaking of the Dolphins taking the L, let's transition to talk a little bit about the odds and the prognosis for getting that number one overall pick. Because I spent some time looking at this today and found these tankathon teams are playing each other a bunch down the stretch. So just to frame this, Football Outsiders, after Miami wins, Miami still has the top odds according to their weighted value over average formula of achieving the top overall pick. 44.2% chance. The Bengals, however, up to 30%. Miami down from 70 last week. 
So that makes it much closer to a coin flip. Joining the picture, though, Washington 12.5%, Atlanta 6.1%, and New York Jets now in there at 4.7% after losing to Miami. But these teams, specifically focusing on the ones that aren't Atlanta, play each other a lot and thus can beat each other a lot. Somebody has to win these games, right? So Cincinnati, to start, because we care about the Bengals the most, play New York, play Miami, they also play Cleveland twice, and Cleveland now two and six? Yeah. Not very good. Looking at some of the other teams, Miami plays New York again, plays Cincinnati. So those teams play essentially the same schedule. They play each other all once each. Washington plays the Jets and the Giants. The Giants haven't been very good with rookie Daniel Jones out there, but I'm sure will be favored against Washington. And the Giants, who are also in the picture a little bit, I'd say, play Washington, Miami, New York Jets. Yeah, and if you think of last year, the Cardinals weren't the team to get the number one pick until the final week. Mm -hmm. They were like at like three, four, five the entire time until uh, I can't remember what it was last year that won at the end, and then it was like, okay, the Cardinals, by just by strength of schedule, have the number one pick now. And they probably would have still ended up with Murray at three or four, but point being is they, you know, that flipped very quickly there at the end. And I do think there's, yeah, those games are going to have to split. One team's going to have to win those matchups. But also the Jets beat the Cowboys, right? I mean, the, you're going to probably steal one game at some point down the remaining uh, eight games of the schedule. So you probably end up with three wins somewhere. Maybe it's only two. Maybe they're really that bad. But point being is uh, just looking at it and trying to and say, okay, maybe they go three and five the remainder of, of the schedule. I just hope some of those losses, when it comes down to it, will be against the Jets and the Dolphins. Not that tiebreakers work that way, but it gives those teams the direct win where it's not, you know, directly affecting the Bengals. Yeah, and I think that one plus one minus one instead of the half game that you get when you don't play the other team is significant. But the dark horse here, the team that could be Arizona this year, especially with the injuries they have, is Atlanta. Matt Ryan not yeah. playing right now. Atlanta, looking at their schedule, they played the Buccaneers twice, but they and they play Jacksonville. Those are the winnable games on their schedule, right? Carolina, I think, is better enough, even without Cam Newton, that Atlanta playing the way they're playing right now, especially without Matt Ryan, although Matt Schaub did put up like 400 yards when he came yeah. in in relief. It's just, I mean, wh where are these wins coming from? They play the Saints twice. They play the 49ers. So for me, Atlanta's a real dark horse. But if Matt Ryan does come back, they could easily sneak out a win, you know, Jacksonville, Carolina, Buccaneers. So there, sure. there's a variable there. One more thing, too, the uh, Jacoby Brissett, quarterback of the Colts, MCL sprain. The Colts play the Dolphins this week. Man, that'd be nice if the Dolphins can win two in a row. And the Dolphins have been trending in the right direction, for what it's worth. The thing with the Dolphins is just that Ryan Fitzpatrick is their quarterback. And as much as Andy Dalton has been a roller coaster in his career, but for the Bengals, Ryan Fitzpatrick is roller coaster incarnate at quarterback yeah. where he is either going to be terrible or he is going to win you a game. And that can be play to play. Like Dalton's typically game to game. He's a roller coaster. Fitzpatrick within a drive will give you a crazy fun play and the oh no, maybe they maybe he's in on the tank, but uh he's definitely not that kind of guy. He's out there trying to win. So just looking at the tank, 
the tankathon standings, the Bengals do have to lose games in order to retain a top two, top three pick because their strength of schedule, which is going to be the tiebreaker, is going to be stronger than some of these other teams because they play the 49ers, the Patriots, the Ravens twice. They've got a bunch of teams on the schedule that have won a bunch of games. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. So we're still technically at the halfway point of the Bengals season, uh, even though we're entering now week 10 tomorrow. If you're listening to this, it may be right now. But point being is last week we uh, reviewed the first eight games and we did MVP, I don't know, uh, worst player on, you know, worst signing, worst draft pick, yada, yada. We did all those those polls on Twitter. I want to do more of a look at the second half now. Um, expectations, maybe what we'd like to see. You know, I, I think a lot of us or many of us have I, you look at the poll, like 90 percent of people want the team to keep losing in order to obtain a top two pick. Uh, obviously, that's tough when you get into the games and you want to see certain players play well. So that's part of it. For me, I'd like I don't want them to go in 16. I, I think if they win two, that probably secures them with a top two selection and end up going two and 14. That's fine with me. But from a player evaluation perspective, there's a few guys and uh, that I really want to see hit their stride, play well, maybe take a, a jump back to where they were the previous year. Uh, see Zach Taylor and the, and the offensive staff really figure out which, because there's probably going to be some change or, or turnover at this point in, in some of the coaches. There always usually is for bad teams. Uh, where is that going to come from? Are, are any of these guys keepers? Are any of these guys, you know, uh, foundational pieces from the players to the coaches? So I think over the final eight games, if we can see any improvement in any direction, because they've been, largely dreadful at almost every position, uh, I think that can be seen as a positive going into next year. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing in terms of looking to the future, short-term and long-term, is can Zach Taylor figure out how to get this offense working? Can he make the adjustments that he needs to make in a year when the Rams have been struggling offensively, the Bengals have been struggling offensively? Can they find the adaptation to this base offense to make it work? If you look at what's happening in Arizona, they're spreading the ball way out. And then they're running the ball with four wide receivers. You look at teams like New England, San Francisco, Baltimore. 
they're using a fullback. I don't think the Bengals have the personnel or really the wherewithal on the team to make a transition to one of, you know, the Mark Roman type of offenses that we're seeing, which is really limited to Baltimore, I guess. But point is fullback kind of running game. They don't have the personnel to make that happen, but you want to see them make some changes such that they get the running game going. Like you said, get Joe Mixon unstuck, right? Give him a reason to feel good about himself going forward because he's going to be part of this Bengals team for the foreseeable future, right? So get him going, see AJ Green be healthy, make sure that he's still got the athleticism, right? Keep him healthy for the rest of the year. At some point, it would just be fantastic to see everybody on the field together, right? So Jonah Williams, say he comes back week 15, get in there with Cordy Glenn, get in there with John Miller playing, Maybe maybe Billy Price is playing well at that point. I don't know. Some combination of guys on the offensive line that we're going to feel a little bit better about. Guys that we expected to start. And at the same time, give me John Ross, AJ Green, and Tyler Boyd on the field together. Right. Let's see all the weapons together, right? So those are certainly some big ones that I'm watching for. On offense, too, I'd like to see Drew Sample get a larger cut of the snaps, see if we can get any development from him. Mm-hmm. It's usually year two. You see that jump for tight ends. But if you can start you know, accelerating that by getting him snaps in the second half of the year, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. You know, because right now, Eifert's not a part of this offense, and if you're bringing back, well, yeah, that's coming off the last week in London where he was actually targeted a whole bunch and was a big part. But if that remains true uh, for what we saw most of the first half of the year, then you got to start rotating in sample and making sure you're securing that position for the future. If you're doing this at quarterback, well, there's a few positions around the the team that I'd like to see. Uh, the reports from today were that John Ross and Darius Phillips look good on the rehab field. Like, they'll be ready to go as soon as they're able to come off eight weeks of the IR list. And I'd like to see Darius Phillips play on defense. If that means you've got to rotate some guys, if you've got to sit Drake or Patrick, whatever the case may be, I'd like to see more snaps for him. I'd like to see Clayton Fedulum get out there. I'd like to see Jermaine Pratt get out there. The one thing with Ryan Glasgow going on IR is the Bengals, I think, one need that is created from that, because I was kind of hoping Glasgow would take the step and be that backup three-tech. They really don't have a backup three-tech right now, and it's it's a shame because, as we see, Atkins getting a little bit older, even though he's had a couple good games down the stretch here. Uh, you kind of want that other guy. They still don't have that third pass rusher right now, or even really the fourth guy is where I wanted to start with this, because if you get Lawson back and Hubbard kicks inside, can Hubbard be good inside? If not, can Andrew Brown kick inside and be good in there? Because he really hasn't played inside at all this year. He's been forced to play defensive end, I think, far too much. Uh, and I know, you know, he's a depth player, but my point is they need to find a three-tech to back up Atkins, because if not, I think we can go into the draft, and that's a underrated need where we're in round two, and if there's a really good D-tackle there, that could be a pick. And as we sit here today, you may say, why? Uh, but I think, you know, when you look look at it and look long term, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, I think you start to figure out what what your needs are, who your backups are, who your future foundational players are, if there are any on the bench. Yeah, I'm with you there. Find out what all these young guys have at positions where if you don't have it, you're going to need it. So like you said, three tech is a big one. Big one. We talked about it in this year's draft. But with Carl mm-hmm. Lawson coming back this week, maybe that does afford Andrew Brown, if he remains active, the opportunity to kick inside a little bit more because then you have Hubbard, Brown, sorry, Hubbard, Lawson, Dunlap as your 
top three rotational ends. Maybe you sprinkle in Brown for a few snaps, but you can get him inside on those pass rushing yeah. snaps. That means Hubbard maybe comes off the field, right? So it's between Hubbard and, and Brown for that interior spot. Or maybe it's even Carlos Dunlap, although with his length, hard to say how that'll translate inside in a phone booth kind of situation. But I'm 100% with you there. Andrew Brown is a big name. And I've said on Twitter, he needs to show me something to really have any reason to believe he ends up on the ground far too often. He has a great first step, but doesn't seem to necessarily have much of a plan after that. The pass rushing moves aren't very developed. And like I said, he, he ends up going to the ground quite often when he doesn't just win with the burst. And he doesn't have the flexibility to bend the edge very well either. So you see if that translates inside, maybe he can just step across the face, right? The way we've right. seen Geno Atkins do with his good get off before. So that's somebody you want to watch. And then, yeah, secondary, big one. Let's see Darius Phillips out there with William Jackson, maybe Darquez Denard, see how those three right. do together. Right. Yeah, getting Darquez Denard out there because we only got one game of him, and he was pretty solid that one game. So uh, if he starts and you get, have Denard, Jackson, and Webb this this coming week, I feel good about that. Despite, you know, you got you need the linebackers versus the Ravens. Remember that game, which was just a few weeks ago. Jermaine Pratt got a lot of snaps, uh, got a bulk of snaps, and was targeted often by, by the Ravens' offense when they did throw the ball. So getting Pratt out there again, Maybe, you know, see if he can develop. Because as we stand right now, there's no starting linebacker on this roster that I want to take into the future. Uh, so, it, you know, you want to find out if Pratt can be that. And if he can, then that's great. You got one. But if not, then it really doesn't change anything. And they keep burning third-round picks at, at linebacker. So you got to figure that out. you got to figure out if you've got, uh, you know, Brandon Wilson as your return man, Darius Phillips come back. Can one of these guys help you punt return? Because really, Erickson, in my opinion, is a better kick returner than punt returner. So can you get one of these guys on the punts? Phillips fumbled a bunch in preseason, but will they give him another shot at, in that role? Can Wilson do it a little bit? Uh, and if not, then, you know, maybe that's a position we can chalk up again and add to another need. Yeah, I 100% am with you on all those things. But again, for me, the, the biggest thing is finding what they have in these pieces that are going to be there going forward. So if it's coaches, find out what coaches get results that make you want to keep them. Find the coaches that are making adjustments that work such that you think they're smart enough to stay part of this team going forward. Because you have to imagine, despite how this season has gone, Zach Taylor gets at least one more year. Yeah. At least one more year, maybe two more years if they have to draft a rookie quarterback this offseason, right? Because then you get into this dance that the Browns have been doing. If you start to replace your coach all the time, you get into a place where the coach never gets to install their guys, especially a quarterback. And then you end up drafting a quarterback every year, switching your coach every year, going one in 31, then hiring Freddie Kitchens. And that's how you end up throwing away draft picks, too, because the guys don't always fit. We see it with Josh Rosen mm -hmm. with the Cardinals. No, new coach comes in, I want my guy. As fans are talking, would Washington take a quarterback? They just drafted Haskins. Sure, if they get a coach in there that wants his guy, and you're picking top three, which Washington very well could, yeah, they could do it. So these things happen, and we see Adam Gase and, and Sam Darnold. He really hasn't been able to unlock – Darnold in this year and you just don't want that situation to where if they draft a quarterback you don't give a coaching staff time to develop him work with him as long as you feel good about it it doesn't have to result in wins right away but if you inside the building 
truthfully and honestly, because I have to say that when I'm talking about the Bengals, uh, you know, feel like he's the guy, a Kyle Shanahan type, and you just haven't, it just hasn't broken your way yet in two years. Uh, you still feel like you've got the right guy in the building, then that's fine. You work through it, and hopefully you stockpile those picks and come out two years later ready to win like the 49ers did. Yeah, the 49ers now with their quarterback healthy, they add Nick Bosa, and then they just take off, right? They have four running backs that run faster than most players in the NFL. Oh, yeah. So they've built an offense that works. They've, they've, they've built this thing, right? It took some time. Baltimore drafts Lamar Jackson and Jim Harbaugh, or John Harbaugh, whatever the Harbaugh is in Baltimore, talks about how they had to build that team and commit hard. We've got Lamar Jackson now. Let's go get Mark Roman and build this thing, right? Did you hear the, um, the them talking on the broadcast about what Harbaugh said that night of the draft? Like, That's what I was referring everybody's, to. Yeah, he, he goes, everyone's re- looking for their Peyton Manning, their Tom Brady, perfect pocket passer, thrower, quarterback, and no one has been able to do it. I mean, those guys sat on the top of the throne for 20 years. Brady's still up there. And no one has been able to replace him. The guys that have, that have gotten close, and, and yeah, throw Drew Brees up there too. You know, these perfect pocket passers. The guys that are close right now are not like them. We talk about two different types of spectrums all the time uh, and saying, well, well, like Mahomes isn't on those spectrums or or Russell Wilson isn't on those because those guys can create and make plays. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is, and he's, he's a creator. And Harbaugh comes to this conclusion of, I don't think we're going to find that guy. Let's try something a little bit differently with some with this freak athlete and build around him and see if we can say, okay, what did they do at at, at Louisville that was successful, and can we add pieces around him and take NFL coaching and turn him into something even more? And well, so far he was right. And that's the evolution of the pro game. It always comes from the college up. Everything, all innovation, not all innovation, most innovation in football starts in the college ranks. And then it makes its way into the NFL. So what what are they doing in Oklahoma? Right. Where they've taken Manziel, Mayfield, Hertz, Murray. Not Manziel. Not Manziel. He was A and M. Sorry, I yes. always forget that because they're both red. But but Murray, Hertz, and and Mayfield. Mayfield in right. three consecutive years. What's Lincoln Riley doing? I know. What's LSU doing right now with, with Burrow in that yeah. offense after a year? Um, and, you're right. And, and you you mentioned the Saints passing game coordinator, and and that is that that clicked for me because there are times when I watch Burrow and I'm like, if he if everything works out for him, he's a slightly more athletic Drew Brees. Right. That's that's, that's his. What ceiling. he looks like. I know. That's what he looks like because his pocket passing, his pinpoint accuracy, his ball placement. You're like. His quick processing, yeah. it's like, whoa, this, this this is Tom Brady. This is Drew Brees. This is what those those pocket guys look like when they're at their peak. Um, and I was going to say also, I was going to add, Andy Reid, when he when they drafted um, Patrick Mahomes and they had that year of rest with him behind Alex Smith, they said he was watching Texas A&M film and college film of like, okay, this stuff works, and I need to. And Mahomes as a special skill set, I need to expand this playbook even further and, and bring some of that in here. And he he went and talked to college coaches in the offseason, hired some guys as assistants because they wanted to really overdrive their and overhaul. I, I wanted to say uh, their playbook, and they did so very well. And you see, Kingsbury's having some success. Even how many people said the air raid won't work in the NFL? Well. It, I think it can work. And, you know, watching that game the other night, it, I'm like, it can work. You need better players. You need an offensive line. And and I think that's where they definitely attack this offseason. I think they're overachieving considering the talent on that team. Oh, yeah. 
which nobody, everyone thought Kingsbury. I feel like, I feel like everyone thought he was going to flame out and just crash and burn. But he's starting to put it together. So something to look for for the Bengals, right? Innovate. Don't try yeah. to do the things that are working elsewhere. Don't run out Lou Anarumos and Jim Turners that have flamed out in the NFL. If if you need to try something new, make it truly new and, and, and take a risk, right? Commit to something. That's what we need to see. So we got a little abstract there. We started thinking about some very big picture things there at the end, but that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow with Crossover Wednesday. Joe and Kevin from the Locked On Ravens podcast will come together and heap praise onto Lamar Jackson, perhaps cry over my tweets from the 2018 NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. he was a rookie last year when the Ravens picked Lamar Jackson after I was sure they had traded out of Lamar Jackson range. I was so sad. Anyway, until tomorrow, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.